What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Damo back on the show, and it is Friday, and we have some trade stuff to go over with you guys. We're going to talk about the, the games leading up to the trade deadline, the different kind of scenarios that could play out, and perhaps these last games before the deadline are going to have some, some huge impact on the direction that the Wizards might take. Uh, at the trade deadline, we had a podcast recorded, uh, Mr. Troy Halliburton and Matt Moderno on Believe in Wizards, where Troy dropped some knowledge, and he's always well-informed and is a credible source there, so we'll have some stuff to go over there. But first things first, starting off with Rui Hachimura, Sham Sharania dropped a report that the Wizards are actively looking to move Rui, and... Troy did say the same thing on the podcast with Matt that they're just looking to move him. Um, and we said before the season, and this kind of ties in Kuzma a little bit, because we kind of figured they would have to choose one of them. Uh, it, it would not have been financially responsible to keep and pay both of them. They're not going to be able to anyway, so I think they're just trying to get ahead of it now. What kind of value Rui has, I'm not really sure. Uh, and again, if it were up to me, I wouldn't even be factoring Kuzma into the Rui decision. I would be trying to move him. I just know that I don't want him as a part of the as a part of this team going forward personally. So I would be trying to move him regardless of how I felt about Kuzma. But it looks like they're doing the right thing with trying to get rid of him. Just I guess the question is what kind of value Rui actually has at this point. Because it's, it's a little unclear when you have a guy who's been in and out of the lineup, is inconsistent with his play. Uh, what do you think his possible value could be at this point? Or do you truly just think it depends on the team that's interested in him? Yeah, I, th I think it depends on the team that's interested in him. Um, I, I just think it just in general around the league, I don't think anybody is looking at Rui as like a starter. Like you're not a playoff team trading for Rui to be your starting power forward. It's just, right. it's just no way. Maybe you're a young team, and maybe you might be a little ahead of schedule as far as you're winning. And you look at Rui and say, well, maybe we can get him, get him in our program, and then maybe in a year or two, he can be a starter for us because we have a hole at that spot. You know, a team like the Pacers, right? They're, they're winning games ahead of schedule because Halliburton has been so excellent and Ben Matherin has been so excellent. But they don't really – they don't have a power forward. I think right now they're playing sticks – at, at power forward, and he's he's not even a power forward. So uh, somebody like Rui would be intriguing for them, but they're not gonna give up a lot to get him. Like because he's just again he's not he's not like a Evan Mobley, you know, anchor of your defense guy that projects to be a potential all star. He's just okay. Well, if we get him, maybe we can get eighteen and seven out of him get his defense and his awareness a little better. And now we got a productive player on a cheap deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel the same way. I, I don't think that it's a guy that you acquire him to, to be a starter. It's you, you already have kind of a, a decent team established and maybe you're just looking for some scoring help off the bench, which I definitely think he can do. I think that he's shown that even in the starting role, I mean, he's had games where he's put up, you know, 30-something points uh, as a starter and even has had big games in the in the playoffs for us way back when. So um, I definitely think that he's a guy that teams would be interested in. Where it gets tricky for me is his value, and it just kind of goes back to 
he's expiring this year. And it's essentially, you know, we're either going to be getting another player back on a rookie contract, I feel like, or um, we're going to be getting like a, a second round pick or something like that for some washed veteran role player. That's kind of how I feel about it, which I would still take the, the second round pick. But obviously by this point, we would have hoped that he would have had more value. Like if there was a team that would throw us a protected one right now, I mean, I would, even if it's like top 20 or something protected like that, I, I would still take that for him today. Obviously you kind of would have hoped that that's where his value would be. But it just hasn't been there, again, the, the inconsistency. And it's not just him. I don't want to make it seem like I'm singling him out. But um, well, what, so going back to the teams that you think could potentially be interested in him, which one do you think right now out of the, some of the teams that were reported makes the most sense? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the Pacers. Like, I, I think that's a team that, you know um, – makes a lot of sense because I could see I could see a starting role opening up for him. You know, there's not there's not a clear cut guy there that is like, okay, yeah, he's definitely better than Rui. Um because their know, starter then, right now at the four is Jalen Smith, right? Right, right. Yeah, sticks. He's and he's not even really a four. So uh, you know, that's a guy where it's like, okay, if you can't if you can't beat him out, then probably it was just never gonna happen for you. Um but there, there are other teams like the Heat. Even I think the Heat have a have a hole yeah. at power forward. They do. Yep. You know, you get a you get a six eight two hundred and thirty strong built Rui into their you know into their uh, workout weightlifting and training program. You never know, man. Um, their develop their development is top notch. So uh, that's another that's another team. But it's like, what do they act? What do they have to give you? Um, right. Really, they don't really have any like intriguing young pieces uh, for the Wizards. And then I'd say, I mean, the Suns really like the Suns make sense, too, uh, with some of the injuries they've had. And and they need some like athleticism in that front court. Uh, But is but from what Troy was saying, the, the, the trade that Tommy was trying to pull off wasn't for Jake Crowder. It was for Cam Johnson. Who right. was a player they could have just drafted the same year they took Rui at nine. So, uh, right. you know that that would be another interesting interesting fit for them. But I, I think the playoff teams, the clear cut playoff teams, contenders, they would be looking at Rui as like a six man score. Um, right. And whenever they get more than, if they get something more than that, you know that's bonus. But I don't think his value around the league is going to be much more than that. I could definitely see a, a Chris Duarte and Rui Hachimura swap between the two teams. I think that makes sense for the Wizards, too. And while I don't know where Duarte stands in terms of his talent when being compared to Rui, but it does give you another player that has another year on his deal. Um, so financially, it does make sense from the Wizards from that aspect. Kind of fills uh, another guy you can put in there at the two or the three. For the Suns, and I mentioned this, too, on the last podcast that we did, I don't think that it makes much sense for the Suns to acquire Rui if they're still going to have Cam Johnson on the roster just because if you have two guys from the same draft class that play the same position, it doesn't really make sense for the Suns to make that kind of investment, much like the Kuzma and Rui situation here. You don't want to allocate all that money to guys who can basically – play one position. I know Kuzma can probably play a little bit of the three, but 
you get my point. It just wouldn't be um, that smart on Phoenix's end to do that. So I could see trying to capitalize and uh, make a move for Cam Johnson. I don't think that that makes sense for Phoenix. If Cam was going to be out for a little while longer, and they're clearly desperately probably trying to get back up higher in the standings, I, I could see them biting on that maybe if the Wizards threw in like Johnny Davis or something like that. But straight up player for player who I think is more valuable is Cam Johnson. So I'm not sure that I'm very eager to, to make that move if I was the Suns. Yeah. 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 I would, I would tend to agree with that. Um, the, the Suns would try to basically fleece on that and, and get a, you know, productive player for super cheap. They probably try to throw some seconds at you in a toy Craig or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's not, they're not going to give you much. Another thing that's interesting, and we've talked about um, Phoenix a lot, and we mentioned this the other day in our group chat, and I don't know if this was necessarily, oh, I think it was that the Suns are maybe interested in moving DeAndre Ayton. But what would you think about a, like a, a Porzingis, DeAndre Ayton oriented sort of swap. Do you think that that's something that makes sense for both of the teams, especially maybe if the Wizards get a draft pick, if the Suns are trying to get off that money to make another big improvement here in the next year or so? You know, I don't know, just throwing it out there. I know Porzingis hasn't had a, a, a bad year. You know, I think that he's had a pretty decent year. And we know that Phoenix, to begin with, wasn't really that interested. And um, and paying eight, and they kind of had to out of necessity, much like um, when we had to pay Otto Porter, um, obviously on a much larger scale now for the Suns. But what do you think about the the prospects of a deal like that, and then bringing DeAndre Ayton back to DC? I know that we don't like paying centers, at least maybe not that kind of center, but it does bring in some talent. And again, there's incentive if the Suns were to send us a draft pick. You know, I think that that's something that makes sense. Yeah, if they include a draft pick, you do that. But I just, just, just to me, from a team building aspect, like I, I just where this era is of basketball, like the idea of paying like a drop center that isn't like Embiid <clears throat> or Jokic elite, paying a center like that thirty million a year, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to be tied into that because I'm, I'm, I honestly don't even think it's the most wise thing to do as far as keeping KP. Like I would be trying to. I would be trying to move him for some type of assets, compensation, either a wing or a guard, um, and some picks or a pick. Like right. I just I just think it's tough to build a team around a drop big that, you know, isn't like a Uber elite player. Um, you know, KP's right. a great player, he's a nice player. He can even make the all star team in the right situation, but I just don't think he has that type of versatility that you need in today's NBA, I would probably much rather have a guy like Al Horford at, you know, 20 million or less who can kind of do a bunch of different things um, and then allocate the rest of that money to to my guard and wing spots. You know what the crazy thing is, is the, the type of center that is best fit for the modern NBA. And we talked about this in our group chat as well, but the centers that we need, like player type wise or the the Jared Allens, the Mitchell Robinsons, the, the Nick Claxtons of the world. And I think it's funny that if you go back and look, we could have drafted, like, all of these guys, and we just did it. Right. Uh, especially right. going back to Mitchell Robinson. Like, 
that's who I wanted at 15 that year. I think me and Chris Miller were the only two ones that wanted us to take Mitchell Robinson at 15 that year. And of course, now I, to be fair, he didn't end up being the type of player that I thought that he had the potential to be, but he's still been a damn good player in this league. And would I take him right now on this team, you know, as a starter? Yeah, I would. And Jared Allen, I mean, that's the, the pick I believe that we traded to uh, the Nets to bring Bogdanovich here originally. So yeah, those, those are how was the pick. It's just funny going back and looking at all these drafts and these trades, and it's like we could have had the this type of guy on the team. And I think at the time, perhaps they were looked at as limited players offensively. So they were guys that teams maybe didn't want to invest in, but from a, a defensive aspect, you're able to rim run. Um, you can jump, you're athletic. I mean, that's the type of center that we should be investing in. Like, you know, uh, like I said, those types of players, uh, Robert Williams, guys like that. Um, now, I will say those centers, although, yes, they are better than Gafford, but they are also playing with great pick and roll point guards, which Gafford hasn't had since Russ left. Um, sure. And you saw how impactful Gafford was yes. when Russ was here. Like he literally like as good as Russ was playing, you know, the, you know, the, the run he went on that 17 and six run we went on. I don't think it happens if Gafford isn't here. Because Gafford was on a tear during that stretch, man. Um, yeah. But you haven't you haven't really consistently seen that Gafford since the point guard play has dipped. Like if you you know because he who is he running pick and roll with on this team? It's really it's really nobody. I mean, yeah, but that's I mean that's not the same as Jared Allen running pick and roll with Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio. Or Nick Claxton running pick and roll with KD and Kyrie, or Mitchell Robinson running pick and roll with Jalen Brunson. You know what I'm saying? Like those guys, I think have better, better uh, point guard talent around them. So you kind of see more of their game. And Gafford is unfortunately missing that here. Yeah, I think so. Um, with that type of player, who again is more limited offensively, and you probably do need to get someone who can set him up a little bit more. Uh, a, a point guard, um, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically that can handle more of the duties in the offense, uh, especially pick and roll. We know a lot of the modern NBA is pick and roll. And when you have guys that can't run that um, and be able to find weak side shooters, are, are able to throw the alley-oops, are able to thread the needle, it's going to be hard for you to operate a modern NBA offense. So you need to have guys that are creative and know how to do those things. And right now the Wizards just don't have that kind of guy. Um, keeping on the Porzingis here for – a second. Uh, Troy did say that if the Wizards had their preference, they would prefer to move Porzingis and keep Kuzma, which I think you had actually mentioned before that podcast even came out. So I'm curious what you think his market may be at this point, um, what your asking price would be. And I know that they mentioned on the podcast, and, and we already knew this too, that given what they gave away to get him, the the return that you need to get in order to call it a success is probably pretty minimal. I mean, we're talking yeah. maybe like a, a first round pick and by default, we would have to be happy. Of course we would like to, because we know what the caliber player he is. So maybe that second pick ends up being heavily protected, which again, I would still take, but I'm curious as to what you think right now his return would be. And what teams you think would be looking to acquire services from a talent like that? 
Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Cause I, you know, I like KP's game. I think he's been the most uh, impactful player on the Wizards this season on both ends of the floor. When you factor offense and defense, um, and just his gravity as a player, when he when he's on a roll, he's hitting his jump shots. Like he's he's tough to stop, man. Um, I mean, you saw it against the Knicks. Uh, but then I just feel like he has these lapses where he kind of turns into uh, uh, a seven foot three two guard where he's kind of playing way away from the rim. He's not being impactful on the glass um, and he's not being impactful getting to the free throw line and getting the opponent in foul trouble. He's kind of kind of playing, you know, it's almost like he's playing not to get hurt or not to bang. Uh, and that to me is a is a less impactful player is not a player that I would want to pay 30 40 million a year to so um and just the versatility as a whole like he's not a guy you just give it to and he can go get you a bucket or you give it to him and he can make a pass to to open shooters you kind of have to like kind of form your office around it you got to run slower pace you got to slow it down give him the ball in his spots um and so you you know he's kind of a guy that you got to like I said, you got to kind of make some concessions with him if you're paying him a lot of money. And so I, that's why I think his value around the league is probably lower than Kuzma, who's maybe not as good, but he's more versatile. And in a playoff setting, that's what's king, versatility. Got multiple guys that can dribble past shoot. So as far as his value, maybe, a, I would say maybe a, a pick and uh a player, like a young player. So I would say a pick, a young player, and a vet salary fill. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as high as you would project for just a player that's averaging 22 and 10 in two blocks. So you, we obviously are looking for a point guard. Now, this is just something that I'm thinking off the top of my head here. This could have some validity to it. It may not. If I'm crazy, then inform me. We're looking for a point guard. There's a team that I'm thinking of in the Eastern Conference that went to the finals recently, but I feel like has kind of lost some of their juice, and they could be looking for a little bit of some switch up at the top of their roster. So would a Drew Holiday for Porzingis swap make some sense if they gave us a pick for taking on the salary? Whoa, hold on. I got to I got to process that one for a second. Uh Oh, I don't think it's any way in hell the the Bucks do that. Really? Yeah. I I just don't see it because they have Giannis. Church, who, who's basically a big uh and then they have Brook Lopez who's been arguably the defensive player of the year in their front really? court. Like they don't Has he been? Has he been that oh, good? Oh yeah. He's been that good defensively, and then he can hit a, he can hit a three, um, and he's a better rebounder than KP. So he's just more physical. So yeah, I don't think there's no way in hell they do that. And Drew Holiday is just so vital to what they do. I mean, he's one of the few rare point guards that is a two way player. Like he can go get you twenty, and he can go lock you up on the other end. It's not a lot of point guards doing that right now. Um. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't see, I don't see no way. You might, you might be, you might be have a better chance of getting Chris Middleton than you do getting Drew Holiday. 
So this kind of circles back to the Raptors now, then. I wonder... Because I feel like the Raptors wouldn't want to trade for KP unless Fred VanVleet was there, but maybe there's something there where they could try and work that out. We know the Raptors are still looking for a five. But again, I don't know if that makes sense to acquire him if they have no point guard. Yeah, and they're, and they're you know, there was interest in KP from the Raptors before when he was still with Dallas. So that might be something they could, you know, you could circle back on and see if there's still some interest now. Now that KP has put together, you know, a nice solid year of, of basketball, I just don't know. You know, Masai Ujiri, man, that, that's a shrewd operator. And I just, you know, him versus Tommy in a deal, I feel like Tommy going to get fleeced. <laughs> now, I would love to send him back to the Knicks. Um, would love it. Given that the Knicks have a ton of draft picks, you know, give us our pick back. Give us another draft pick. We'll t- even take on Evan Fournier for you. Both the picks have to be unprotected in that case. And then whatever else to, to make the money work. But I would love to do that just because the Knicks have a draft capital to hand out. I think the optics behind Porzingis kind of going back. And I don't know if you saw his quotes from when they played the Knicks the other day, but he admitted himself that he wasn't great about how that whole – process took place and so i think that there was some healing that needed to be done on porzingis's end and i think that there's obviously been enough time for for him to process that for the organization and fans the process just sort of how that all came about and ended to begin with if the knicks were interested and they would give us two unprotected picks i would have no problem sending him back there at all and i think that would be a cool story but again i just do you see the Knicks being interested in in that kind of player at this point? I think it makes sense. With I just Mitchell don't know Robinson and Randall there. I, yeah, I don't know. I I don't see it. I will tell you one. I I could actually see happening. That that kind of makes sense to me for a team that has you know that has an owner that's willing to spend whatever it takes to try to go get a championship, and that's the Clippers. Um. Because if you look at their front court, I mean, it's it's Marcus Morris and Zubak. Like you can do, you can upgrade that. Um, and if you put a KP there with a with a Kawhi and a and a Paul George, and they healthy, that's a formidable ass big three. It is. I think the problem is when we when we were talking about the yesterday this the other day. I think Oz was saying that they don't have any picks to trade. I think that's the problem. Right, right, because they, <clears throat> they gave away everything to get the Paul George and Kawhi pairing. Um, but so that would be could, one of them. Yeah, I mean, if they could find a way to to make that work. Maybe or, you add a third team. Yeah. Um, maybe you add a third team there, but that that's a team where I feel like there's actually a need for what KP does. Mm-hmm. Um, where he can slot in and he's automatically the starter and, you know, he, he can be impactful for a team like that because they don't have any side, they don't have any real skill, high-level skill in their front court, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's I don't know which point guard the Clippers would rather keep, but, you know, if they decide they want to keep John, uh, maybe they give us Reggie Jackson and then it's like, okay, it may not be the solution you want long-term, but, you know, we could try him and and see how he does. Because I don't think Reggie Jackson is a bad player. 
I, I obviously don't think he's a top tier point guard or anything like that, but you know, you could do worse. Um, and Zubach, I like. I've liked Zubach for a long time, and they'd probably have to give us, you know, Norman Powell or something like that to make the salary work, and that's okay. Um, but again, I would want draft compensation if we're taking back um, a, a player like Norman Powell or an Evan Fournier or something like that, where it's obviously a negative um, towards your cap and towards your roster. So I don't know how the Clippers would need to get those picks if they were going to give us Norman Powell. But I would have no objection objection to sending Porzingis to the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. And I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the the rumor has always been kind of a John Collins Kuzma swap, right? Mm-hmm. But what about a John Collins KP swap? <clears throat> and maybe you add in, um a Clint Capella, or maybe even a Bojan Badadovic, you know, a shooter. Um, Something like that, where, again, that's another team that, you know, they kind of got rid of a lot of their shooting with losing Gallinari. Um, And I'm I'm missing another guy that that they got rid of um, that was helping with, oh, well, Kevin Herter. Herter. Uh, And KP would give them some of that shooting back but he would just be play- doing it in their front court. Um, you know, and I, I think that could be an upgrade for them. And then we would get a little bit more balanced as a team because we've been play- pretty much playing KP now with power forward. And I feel like we have four power forwards on this team with him, Kuzma, yeah. and Rui. And it's like, if you can get a, a Bogdanovich and a Collins or a Bogdanovich and a Clint Capella, I think that kind of balances your roster a little bit more. So I would say that I would not take, I don't know if this is what you were insinuating. I want to make sure, but I would not want to take Collins and Capella back in the same deal. Uh, I would take Collins and Bogdanovich. I think the salary would match at that point. I yeah, think I was I saying would one or the other. I was saying okay, one or the okay. other. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to say that the problem now is that they, they have to share the floor and Collins obviously does not think that that's a good idea for him long-term. So the Hawks. So our starting lineup would be what at at that point, Morris, Beal, Kuzma, Collins, no, um, Kuzma, Collins, and Gafford, right? Or Uh, or would we put Collins at the five? So you're you're talking about if we did Collins and Badanovich or if we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Collins and Madonovich, so then you would have I think you would start Gafford with Collins at the four. And then you would probably go Kuzma at the three. So you your your right. your lineup wouldn't change. You would just be taking KP out as the four and putting Collins. Um okay. and then you would have Bogdanovich coming off of your bench. Right. Because Bogdanovich is a guy now, I don't know his contract situation. I don't know how many more years he has, but He's a guy. Four years left that. at eighteen. How many years? So he's got this year, and then another year left at eighteen. Oh, so that's an easily tradable player if you want to flip him again. For sure. Yeah, players are always going to be, or teams are always going to be looking for that kind of player. So that's something that I would do. Yeah, and then so the the Hawks would kind of have this team centered around Trey Young, um, Porzingis. See, yeah, I almost wonder. 
I think if, if the Hawks were to give us an extra draft pick, I would be okay with taking Capella and Bogdanovich and not taking Collins, but I would want two draft picks back. And I think I would rather do that. I would do it for one. I think if, if you give me one Bogdanovich pick, and Capella? Yeah. I do you it for would one. do only one pick? Yeah. Wow. See, I, just I don't, I don't see where – I don't. I just don't see where KP is going to net you back two picks in any deal, because of his injury history. But he's been healthy for us. Yeah, but it's been. It, I don't even think it's been twelve months yet. I don't know. I mean, I if they're going to give us back garbage that's just taking up our salary cap space, I mean, I would be asking for a pick and then at least uh, a, a, a highly protected. Now it could be like a top twenty-five protected. Or something like that, but I mean, I need. Capella isn't garbage. I mean, these aren't garbage players. They can play now. No, Um, but they're they're not helping us towards our greater good. So if they're not really helping us with that, then to me, it's like, like John Collins. I I could see that. Like John Collins is helping. He's still young. He's got money tied up. Capella's older. Um, Well, no, Capella's probably like what, like twenty seven, twenty eight at this point. He's twenty eight, and then Badanovich is uh, thirty. Yeah, but, but those are guys once they get here. I mean, we're not keeping those guys. Those are guys that we're trying to send back out in the summertime. Yeah, it just it kind of breaks up the KP deal. So you kind of break up KP's $33 million into like two $18 million salaries that, you know, kind of balance your roster a little more. Because in a deal like that, then you move Capella to the five. You put, you put uh, Gafford back to the bench as your backup five. And shoot, you probably could start Badanovich at the three. So He's now what, you got six, more eight? you got more shooting on the floor now. Yeah. You still got a hole at point guard though. Like, yeah. I mean, those are just guys that if I acquire in my mind, I'm trying to reflip them to a team that would find them useful. Those aren't guys that I'm like actively trying to keep. Yeah, for sure. But I think that does make sense, again, just with the – and who knows, maybe my value is messed up. I know that he does have an option. Um, what, what do you think he does with that money, by the way? I know that Troy was saying that he thinks that he may just opt in and then just prove he can stay healthy for another year, which honestly I think is probably his smartest bet. But if, if he for sure is going to lean in and accept that money, then, yeah, I want more than just one unprotected pick. I mean, there's, there's no way. Like, if there was a risk factor involved where he may opt out and ask for more money, okay, I could see us only getting one pick. But if it was pretty understood that he was going going to go into the offseason and accept that uh, player option, then nah, I want more than just the one pick back if I'm not getting John Collins. Yeah, see, I I guess for me, I, I kind of – I'm just looking at it. I'm like, John Collins. So has your value kind of shifted then on how you view KP then? Because we went from most of the season saying that he's large in part been our best player. And I know you kind of mentioned that again earlier, but if that's the case, then man, in a deal like that, where we're not getting any star players in return, we need, and no young players or anything like that, man, you got to give us more than one draft pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, see, I just, again, I just don't see a team doing that because, again, the health, the health issue. And then, again, he's a he's a drop center. Like, it's not like he's Bam Adebayo or he's, uh, you know, uh, 
one of those types. Like he's not that type of big. Like he's a guy that you kind of have to, you got to kind of tailor things for him. He's not just a plug and play type of player. So, you know, with the versatility not being there, I just don't think the value on him is going to be as high as you would expect, given the type of numbers he's putting out. Sure. I mean, I, I see what you're getting at for sure. Because um, if he was if he was a six foot eight wing player that was giving you twenty a game, twenty two and twenty two and nine a game, well then now you can ask for two picks. You can ask for three picks, like how the Raptors are with with OG Ananobi. But he's not that. He's a drop center. So I still that, think that those changes guys- it. They have that kind of player, though, has a lot of value if you have the wing defenders. That's why I was kind of going back to the Bucks as a team that maybe could use him if they were trying to get some extra talent there at, at the five because they already have Middleton, Giannis. You put a guy like Porzingis down there who can score in the half court, who can hit the three ball, will kind of hang outside a little bit more. I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense for teams that have that kind of um, depth and the the type of weapon like that on the wing or the Hawks, for example, like they still have the Andre Hunter capable defender. Um, they have some other defenders on the wing too, right? The Hawks, or did they trade them all away? I can't remember. Yeah. You said you had two wings on the bucks. No, on the, um, on, on the Hawks. Like I know that they have DeAndre Hunter, but. Do they, yeah, have I mean, any they have other Hunter, they have Hunter and they have Badanovich. That's really their, you know, that's that's right. their wings really. Um Right. And they kind of yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty much their wing group, but John Collins I think is more of a 5-4. You know, they got him at the power four spot, but I feel like he's more of a pick and roll guy. Yeah, um, for sure. I would agree with that. That's why that's why I say KP there makes sense because he's a guy that can pick and pop. And and can play more in space if you're gonna if you're gonna have Collins being kind of that role guy. Yeah. Cause to me, Collins and Capella get in each other way. They want to do the same stuff. Right, right. That, I was gonna say that's the problem. That's why, like earlier when I thought you were like saying we should if we got Collins and Capella, and I'm like, oh, that'd be a disaster. Unless we just bench Capella and didn't play him. Yeah, but no, no, no. It would be it would be one or the other. So one of yeah, those contracts. Yeah, yeah. Plus Bogdanovich, which to me would fit a need. Like, we need another wing shooter. We just do. Well, like, we really don't have one. That's true. And then, again, for me, like, I'd be trying to immediately ship out Bogdanovich or ship out Bogdanovich when we get to the offseason because, to me, that's another that's another player that can bring you back a first-round pick, even if it's protected. That's a player that immediately will get you a first-round pick um, in the offseason, especially once you get through free agency and – Teams, you know, figure out they're not going to be able to upgrade all the things that they want to. So inevitably that kind of thing happens. But um, anything else on poor Zingas? Oh, that's all I got. I think it's going to be an interesting deadline. We're going to see what these next 10 games do because, yeah, I just think around the league, like I say, his value is just not as high as you would think for a guy giving you 22-9 in a block and a half. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good transition, actually. So let's go ahead and talk about that. So you were looking at our schedule. What exactly are the rest of our opponents before the trade deadline? Run through them. Yeah, so we got uh, 
see here. I just had it up in front of me. Uh, okay, so we got we got the magic. Okay. At at home. Uh-huh. You got the Mavs in Dallas. Okay. You got the Rockets in Houston. Okay. You got the Pelicans in New Orleans. Oof. The Spurs in San Antonio. The Pistons Oof. in Detroit. Blazers at home. Okay. You got the Nets on the road without KD. You got the Cavs at home and then the Hornets at home. Uh, I could see, and that's 10, right? 10 games. I mean, five and five seems about right, to be honest. Like, if they went six or four, six and four or something like that, I mean, it maybe seven and three. I don't see how they go eight and two or any better, to be honest. See, eight and two. Uh, but I could definitely see seven and three. And then, and then they would be going into the trade day line having won uh, eight of 11. I know eight of yeah eight of eleven. Mm. I think that would be my math right because they just beat the Knicks. So if they go into the trade deadline having won eight of eleven, but where would that put them? Like I don't know if you can do the math real quick, the, but for our win percentage, where would that stack up? Stack us up right. against with the other teams in the East. All right, let me let me try to do some quick math here. So right now they're nineteen and twenty six. Okay, they are. They are four and a half games out of eight. Okay. If they went eight and 11, like so over this next 10, they won seven games. That would put them up. So that would put them at uh, 26, 26 and 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that would be enough to have them probably as the eighth seed or maybe the, the ninth seed. Like, yeah, probably like in that AC range. So at that point, then they're probably not thinking trade guys, and they're probably thinking, how can we acquire more talent to get up to six or something like that? Right. Then at that point, then they're going to be a game or or they're going to be a game or two games out of sixth. On the contrary, or the opposite side of this, if they fuck up and they only win, like, four or fewer games in this next stretch, they would, I feel like, be at a significant disadvantage at that point. And I think right. that they would be leaning to trade guys. And that's where that's where I think you go, okay, now we got to might have to trade Kuzma and KP and see what Beal wants to do. So, Which, again, I'd be doing that anyway. And, and we talked in our chat, like, because to me, like, it doesn't really affect the long term and like, not even really long term, just the next two seasons. Because I feel like if you're ever going to make a push with Beal, the time is like now to do it. Like, we can't wait. Um, and I don't think that we're ever going to get there, even with this. Co- I mean, again, if we're if we got a decent point guard coming on the way and we can acquire a guy like an OG Ananobi, well, then I'll sit quietly in my seat and let Tommy do his thing. But I don't see that kind of thing happening. So for me, I'm just trade anyone you can away that can bring you back any type of first or second round pick. And once you do that, then Beal will probably want out at that point because he's going to be tired of all the back and forth and not having any legit talent. And, and, and you know what? If he doesn't want out, then fine. Then you let him rot here on his contract and do whatever. <laughs> 
it, I just don't see a scenario where you trade Kuzma and KP for like youth and picks, and and Bill would still want to stay here for that. It's just no way. But right. at the I same agree. time, Dame did it. Dame literally sat sat there in Portland when they traded away CJ. Uh, you know, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge gone. Like, and he and he stayed. Um, yeah. and it's, it's if you look at that Portland team, it's basically him and Grant, and then a bunch of young guys. Yeah, Simon you know? is a stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still he's still young. He got some ways to go in his development. But yeah, and who else? Do I don't. I, mean, I don't know, Hart. man. These guys. I don't know, man. Every guy's just a little different, man. Every guy, you just don't know what their motives are. Yeah, I mean, you would think though at that point, like, you know, if Tommy goes up to Brad and says, "Hey, man, look." We haven't done our job this year. Um, I haven't done my job as a GM to improve this roster, but I have to do the organizationally responsible thing and trade the guys that we can to to get some draft capital for the org going forward. I mean, there's no way Brad goes, oh, okay, yeah, so we'll improve the team in the offseason, this and that. Like, no, I again, I agree with you that I don't think that there's a way that Brad would stick around for that. But, I mean, I guess you can't say that it's impossible you know, just because if he's already been willing to, to stick through all this now, I mean, I guess really what's the difference, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, if you can, if you can, if you can play with uh, a watched IT and a, you know, the Jerome Robinsons and Isak Bongas in your star lineup, like... You know. I mean, fucking Westbrook, man. And I know that Beal liked Westbrook for different reasons. What's actually... Let's go ahead and we'll transition into this whole John Wall interview thing now that uh, we need to talk about. So what was your, like, after listening to this, what, what was your initial reaction to sort of how Wall came about with everything? Now, I'll give John Wall credit. Like, when he is set up for interviews, it's entertainment. I mean, he gives you information. Like, he doesn't hide anything. He comes out with everything. He's such um, a straight shooter. He's hilarious as hell, man. Yeah. And I don't know, again, how you would think that there's no reason for him to lie about any of this. And I'm sure some of it can be kind of, is kind of opinion-based, like, like point of view-based. But what was your initial reaction when, when hearing that, that interview and talking about the, the trade to the, the Rockets and James Harden and how he found out about the deal and all that stuff. First, let me just say, like, if, if anyone has listened to the whole interview, it's hilarious as hell. Not just the wizard stuff, but like everything he talks about. The fact that he refers to people as bitch just so casually is just hilarious <laughs> to me. Uh, but it's not it's not in malice. It's just that's just how he talked, man. It's a Southern thing. Like, it's, it's hilarious. But uh, as far as, you know, the situation with the trade from here, uh, I, I just think, man, like, I, I don't like how it happened, you know, but I, I feel like it's kind of one of them things where, like, okay, from his point of view, you would expect you put 10 years blood, sweat, and tears for a franchise playing hurt when you probably should have been sitting, resting, and getting healthy, um, and then they just kind of just discard you kind of without really being up front with you. Uh, that that can suck, but it's that's the league. Like that's how all these GMs move. Well, I won't say all of them, but but a good ninety percent of them move that way. Like they kind of they're gonna give you the Hollywood talk. They're gonna say, hey, we're not trying to trade you, 
but they didn't already worked out a deal on you weeks ago. Right. Um, and I just think the fact that he found out through Russell Westbrook it's sad. Is, is sad. That that should not happen. Um, no. But we've seen where guys have found out they've been traded on Twitter. You know, but you just wouldn't expect something like that from a guy that that's so beloved in the city that's exactly. put on for 10 years. Like, you just wouldn't exactly. you just wouldn't expect that. But um, I, on, the other, on the flip side of it, though, man, I feel like John has to kind of wear some accountability in it, too, because he's had his issues here. You know, he he was not a perfect, ideal model citizen. Nope. Uh, the floor. Right. These are facts. Um, and then you got to look at the context of that situation. We had just paid, if I'm not mistaken, we had just paid Bertans $80 million, right? That was for John Wall. That was with the idea that, like, hey, we got one of the best shooters in the league, and wait till we see him with John Wall, right? We going in the trend. You didn't even pick a point guard in the draft. You went and got a wing, Right? You going in the training camp thinking we about to have Wall back, Beal back, Thomas Bryant, a wing shooter, a, a big man that can shoot it, Berton's an elite shooter. We might could do something. You going in the training camp, you ain't seen this dude play in two years, and then the the first time you see him uh, is him on a video throwing up gang signs with all types of... Uh, Drugs and alcohol on the, in the premise. It's like, what the hell is going on? And yeah. there was already some scuttlebutt with how him tearing his Achilles came to to be. Because if if we if I remember correctly, it wasn't his Achilles that he originally uh, messed up. It was another injury that set him down. I can't remember exactly what the injury was. And then supposedly while resting at home, he slipped in a bathtub. And caused the Achilles injury. Um, but there were some rumors behind that. And, and the Wizards felt like, okay, well, what the hell are you doing if you're supposed to be resting, rehabbing, where you go and you tear your Achilles? Um, so I just felt like it was a relationship that kind of reached its end. And once that video dropped, once Ted said, I want him gone, that's that. I don't give a fuck right. what Bill was going to say or do. Bill would have basically had to been like, trade me. Like, if you're going to trade my man Wall, trade me. And maybe he should have did that. Maybe that was the right thing to do at that time from a just basketball rebuild standpoint. But I just think for, for Brad, that puts him in a tough spot because it's like, yo, I'm trying to win with this team. We going in the training camp, and now I got to come out and answer for a stupid-ass video that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Right. So, of course, you know, Tommy Shepard, the great car salesman that he is, he's probably selling Bill on, hey, we got Russell Westbrook, a former MVP. We can go get him right now. What you want to do? Like, you you trying to win with the team? Like, what you want to do? We can go get a former MVP. That's a tough spot, man. Hey, bro, I love you, but we can go get an MVP. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, we're making that move. I feel like it's it's similar to the situation the Raptors were in when you got DeMar DeRozan there, a tenured player, beloved by the city, but Masai looking at it like, hey, I can go get Kawhi Leonard, an right. MVP-level player. You're making the move. 
It is what it is. Except in the Raptors' case, they won a championship, and we well, yeah. won a, right. a beat down right. from Philadelphia. So yeah, that, in, our, in our case, we you know Russ won it out after a year, and we kind of played our way out of a top five pick, <laughs> and you know yeah. the dominoes fall as they may. Yeah, I thought it was definitely interesting. And then hearing Beal, you know, John asked Brad, you know, if he wanted to run it back. And he said that he'd have to think about it. And for me, it's like, I mean, you I guess I kind of get it. But yeah, it's like, what's there to think about? Like, he had been carrying your ass for years. I mean, I felt like they owed him at least that. And my whole thing is if you're going to move him, that's fine. And I guess the organization isn't obligated to tell him anything. Like, it's not. It's one of those unwritten rules, though, right? Like, especially for a guy that's been there that long. And, again, that kind of thing matters when you're trying to retain players and free agency and what the reputation of you is for guys in draft classes and things like that. You know, thinking if prospects want to tell organizations, you know, hey, I know that you're interested in me, but um, I'll probably pass. You know, because players have that kind of power now in the draft where, where they can say, you know, I would really prefer not to go to your organization. And most kids, you know, are going to say, well, it's an opportunity. I don't care who the hell takes me. But some athletes, you know, that are more high profile or have a good inner circle and things like that, they'll probably say, you know, hey, don't don't draft me in free agency. They're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. I've heard the things and I've talked to some of your players like I'm good. And I felt like for so long they've been trying to do so much organizational healing that they've been more oriented towards that and they haven't been focused enough on winning basketball games. And so that's why right now I'm like, okay, they can be this great respectable organization and that's fine. I feel like that they've done their part for the, for the most part. Like, and this goes back to me, like Gilbert Arena's days with the gun incident and then the drama yeah. days of Andre Blatch, JaVale McGee, Nick uh, Young and – Andre Blatch got caught up on K Street so much, man. Good Lord. (laughs) It's just – so I I think that they've done what they can do to try and be a respectable organization, but now they need to get back to winning. And I think, unfortunately, I think that the way they get back to winning here is they have to blow it all up again, Um, which I think is – I I think that's a two-part thing. They got to blow it all up, and then they got to change what they value, evaluate, you know, on talent. Right. They got to change how they evaluate talent. Like you cannot put the, the intangibles in character over the talent like that. You got to evaluate the talent right first and then go to the character and intangibles, um, because that that to me matters more. Like it don't nobody cares if you, you know, you got a team full of choir boys and you're just this model team of, of good guys. If you lose it, nobody right. cares. Right? And this all so, to me is like it's karma for Tommy in hindsight. Because, number one, you shouldn't have let John go the way you did, just from a a decency, like a respect standpoint. Like, you've known the guy his whole career. You knew him before you drafted him. Like, I feel like that kind of relationship after that many years, even if you were going to scream and cuss at me, like, I would still tell you what the situation is. Um, And then if you want to be mad and take to Twitter, well, that's on you. You're still getting traded. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, again, I, I think I think trading wall was the right deal. I just don't like how they did it. But I, I just don't see a scenario where a video like that can come out on your franchise guy and he's not moved at some point. Like, I, I just – it's just no way, man. It, it's just no way. Like, it, let, I mean, we can go down the list of stars in the league. Like, if a video like that comes out with any star 
are they still with their team the, the following season? Mm, I honestly think it depends on the player. Which, again, John at that point in his career was at a disadvantage when it came to that kind of stuff because the Wizards have looked past some of that stuff before, but yeah, when you're putting up 27 and 10 and you're basically in MVP talks, you know, they're going to put up with it a little bit more. They'll put up with it. But when you haven't played in two years and you're coming off Achilles, right, it's different. you have no leverage. And, that, and that's why for me, it's like, if, if I'm Brad, I'm like, bruh, what the fuck, man? What you doing? What yeah. you doing, man? You haven't played in two years. You don't have, you can't think it's sweet like that, that you can go and do that. And it's not going to be no repercussions behind it. Right. I would, I would so, tell my own son that. Whatever right. comes from this, that's just what it's going to be. Right. And, and again, I think it's karma in, in two ways. One, because of how you treated John in that scenario. and Not that he was perfect by any means. And then number two, now... That we're in the same situation we were at before, which is we probably should have hit the rebuild button and we have it. And now the irony is we may finally do it, but now he's not going to be the one that gets to, gets to do that and gets to see that through, which I think that if Tommy had called this a couple or a few years ago, that he could have bought himself, you know, five plus more years. But now it's looking more and more like, and we'll see what happens in this next 10 games and how that affects the deadline. But Tommy may not have a job after this year, and I know that that's a reality that people don't think is possible right now. But me personally, I think that if the Wizards finish out of the play-in, shit, even if they do make the play-in and they don't make the playoffs, I think he's gone. I really do. I don't think they're going to keep him as the, the head decision-maker in basketball operations. Yeah, but I, I don't think it'll have anything to do with how he traded John Wall. It'll be because no, no, he no. couldn't draft. I'm just saying it's karma. Like, it's just... Yeah, I mean, but but it's like, for me, I guess it's like a separate it's a separate thing. Like trading John Wall was the right basketball move, and then to trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook, and then you turn Russell Westbrook into a KCP Kuzma and a twenty twenty second overall draft pick, you were playing with house money. You were up when you did that, but then you then you followed that good move up with trading the twenty second pick for Aaron Holiday, the worst Holiday brother. Taking Denny over over Halliburton, a Halliburton that fits exactly the type of player that you want from a character and tangible standpoint. I mean, every article I read on Halliburton coming out was that this dude was just a model kid and his game would fit perfectly next to Bradley Beal. His jump shot just scared a lot of people away. That shit went in. Yeah. (laughs) the the percent he the percentages were the percentage that shit went in, right? So it's like that's why you're gonna lose your job. Right. That's why you're gonna lose your job, like because of the talent evaluation. Like you can't you can't miss on that many first round picks and think you're gonna have a job after four or five years. Like the like again the same the same holes we got in 2023 are the same holes we had in 2019. Point guard, small forward, shooters. Like, could you could, could you imagine if we and it's funny now that they're trying to trade for Cam Johnson. If we had traded, if we had drafted Cam Johnson originally instead of Rui, we wouldn't have had the the Keith Bertans. Um, we probably like imagine John Wall with Cam Johnson. It would be 
you know, assuming John Wall was still like good with driving and kicking and he can still pass, you know, he certainly is not the same, but I just think it's funny now, like with all these mistakes in the draft and, you know, you have to try and make up with it for with, with trades and free agency acquisitions and the trades have been good for the most part, but then it's still not enough to even get you into a playing team. I, I think that speaks to how bad the rest of the, the process has been. Well, yeah, because then you got to overpay because draft picks are cheap. They're cost controlled for four years. But when you miss on them and then you got to go trade to fill the hole, well, now you got to pay more. And the vets that that are actually established and do the things you want to do to win basketball games, they cost you more money. So instead of being able to pay Rui $67 million on an extension, probably on an underpay, now you got to go pay Kyle Kuzma $120 million. Yep. That's the game. Like, that's why you keep ending up in this endless loop. <laughs> and really, honestly, where we're at right now, are, are we excited about extending any of Tommy's draft picks? I know I'm not. Not. I mean, who's the last draft pick they've extended? Otto Porter? Otto Porter. And that was yeah. a mistake. That was a mistake. Because the, they didn't the extend last... Ubre, right? Did, did they, no. Did they ever? Yeah, they traded him while he was still on his rookie deal, right? Yeah, that's that was the Ariza trade, the Ariza right. part three. Right. <laughs> but they haven't they haven't extended a single draft pick that's worked out since Beal. So it's that's, like if we don't have eleven a top years. Three pick, so if we don't have a top three pick, then we can't find talent, which is sad. And that's With why you're not winning basketball games. You're never gonna be good. You're never gonna be good if you can't do that. Well, anything else before we cut this one? Uh, no, I say on, on the talent eval situation, man, this, this draft coming up, man, is looking really, really good. Like, there are some guys that I think are going to go in the teens that probably could have went easily top seven, tops, top eight last year. So, well, this this draft I feel like could potentially be Tommy proof. It could be Tommy proof. We just if, if <laughs> we he's just, the one making the decisions. It, yeah, assuming he's the one making the decisions, this draft could really be Tommy proof. Like this is an opportunity to get a guy where I think it's an impact day one rookie, or or a rookie that you know is a first team all rookie player, and then by year three you already know. You giving them an extension. But if there was one person who would fuck this up, it would be Tommy. So it honestly wouldn't really surprise me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just hoping, man. I I just want I just want a young kid that I can really, really get behind, man. It's been a long goddamn time. And I hate that I'm like this. Like I don't I don't want the team to lose, but I want them to lose so we can rebuild, so we can start building a proper team so we can win again. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not rooting for them to lose because it's like, oh, I hate this team. This Like, I want them to lose so that eventually when you lose so much, you're going to realize, okay, my process is not working. We need to change in terms of, I guess, uh, from Ted's point of view. So yeah, something has I, to I, get. It's like, 
I guess with me, I'm chasing that feeling again, man. It's like a, it's like I got a hit of a good drug and I haven't seen it in like 10 years. Like, do, do you remember that feeling when like Bill was like 20 years old, averaging 20 in the playoffs? Wall was only like 22, 23, serving, serving up the Bulls in the first round. Like, yep. that shit felt good to have some young dog talent that it, it was like, damn, there's a future. They could be the best best backcourt ever we, I mean, i'm feeling that I, I tell you i'm feeling that with my giants right now that's what i'm feeling right and, and, and maybe in in a sober mind if you know you you got on a lot of tech you probably know that's not going to happen but it was a feeling right it was right. like damn we got some dudes that can play and they not even 25 yet right I want that feeling again man i want that feeling yeah. again and and not a single guy that has come through here since 2012 has given me that feeling not a single guy it's, uh, different, when, it's different when you bring guys in at such a young age and you watch them mature into into talented players that slowly but surely turn your organization into something respectable um there's yeah. something to be to be said for that there's more emotion involved with that it, it makes it harder to be attached when it's just a revolving door with veterans that you've already seen play for like five plus years at that point because you already know what they do. You already know what they can bring to the table. So it can still be fun at times, but yeah. it's not as enjoyable. Is not the same. Watching, yeah, watching yeah. Wall and Beal when they were younger, it's like, oh, what are they going to do tonight? When you're watching Kuzma, KP, and Beal right now, it's like, and we know what they're going to do. They do the same things every game. Like, it's just there's no upside with, like, again, there's no excitement and it's less emotion. And I think that's why I've been so disinterested in this team this year. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it is. And it's like it's like a representation of what you haven't been able to find via the draft. So it's like, damn. Like, I wish – and I hate saying this, but it's like, damn, it's like, yeah, Kuzma balling – but I really wish that was Rui balling like that. Right, right, you know? right. Like, <laughs> that's that's really what it is. Like, it's like, damn, it's like, all right, KP balling. But I really wish it was Denny balling like that. Right. You know, it's like, if, if them dudes was balling like that, you know, it would feel it would feel a little better. Yeah. Well, it'd be more fun. And again, they, they all have great personalities and they all seem like nice guys. So it's a shame it hasn't worked out more for them on the court, whether some of it is their fault or not. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can hoop, it'll show. Um, and I, I don't think that these guys have shown enough to, to warrant getting that kind of love and uh, emotional respect that John, Brad, and shit, even Otto got. Um, right. So anyway, I think that's kind of where we'll leave it off for today but thank you guys for listening and tuning in you guys have been listening all uh well all 2022 all basketball season i'll say along with us and we definitely appreciate you guys uh for tuning in and listening every time we record we know it's not as frequent anymore and we haven't done any twitter spaces uh maybe we'll try and kick that back up soon it's more enjoyable to do those for me when we win um, I don't like getting on and ranting every single time, but now that we're inching towards a trade deadline, it's a little bit more interesting, you know, different scenarios that can play out. So good to always get on and talk about those with you guys. Um, like the show, subscribe, rate us five stars, leave us a comment, anything we can do to improve. DMs are always open, but thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.